0: Tom, what intrigued me is that, at least unknown to me, and I think unknown to probably many people, is that all along that the SEC has been doing this, sanctioning the firms for these uh, messaging app violations, they have been granting waivers.
1: That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weeds. Today, we take a look at some routine enforcement actions involving messaging apps by the SEC, where Matt stumbled on a series of waivers that were given and have been given since 2022 for companies who violated the SEC policy. He went down the rabbit trail to try to figure out what was going on, and of course, it's very opaque. It's a very interesting episode. I know you'll enjoy it. There's some great compliance angles too, so check out this episode. First, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, Ethico.
0: In the intricate world of ethics and compliance, each second is precious, and slow case closures are more than just delays, they're missed opportunities. Enter Ethico. Our solution revolutionizes case management, cutting case closure times in half and turning every challenge into a chance for improvement. Imagine a workspace where efficiency and compliance coexist harmoniously. Don't just dream of faster resolutions, make it your reality. Visit ethico.com slash cpn today to book a demo and dive into our exclusive white paper by Tom Fox, 2023, the year in compliance. Empower your team with the tools they deserve.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the week. Welcome back, Matt.
0: Hello, Tom. Good to be here.
1: Matt, you wrote a uh, blog post, I think, uh, last week, uh, or maybe this weekend, entitled, a curious SEC break on messaging offenses. Obstensively, it starts around a series of enforcement actions that were announced Friday against 16 firms for the continued violation of the messaging apps rules and regulations. But uh, you took a little bit deeper dive and found some uh, uh, either dicey, shifty, or perhaps just interesting things going on. So you want to set the background for us?
0: Well, yeah, sure. So the background is, at this point, nothing compliance professionals haven't heard before that the SEC has been cracking down on broker-dealers and their employees' use of off-channel messaging apps. I guess that is the phrase we're now using. But uh, these are apps such as WhatsApp or Snapchat or maybe Apple iMessages or other apps like that, where it's very easy for employees not to preserve. These records of their communications. So, that is a violation of the record keeping rules, specifically for broker dealers who are required to re- preserve all business communications for a period of two to six years under SEC rules. And uh, for the last, I guess, about two years now, the SEC has been cracking down on broker dealers who have been doing this. Started with JP Morgan in the end of 2021 with a $200 million fine. Uh, And then we have had these bursts of other enforcement actions against other broker-dealers. At this point, Tom, two years in, I think we have, safe to say, dozens, like, I don't know, three to four dozen, maybe more, firms that have been sanctioned by the SEC for off-messaging apps uh, violations. The latest round is 16 firms uh, collectively fined a total of, I think it was $81 million, from a high, uh, so a couple of subsidiaries of Northwestern Mutual, they were sanctioned $16 million. Um, <clears throat> some other subsidiaries of Guggenheim Securities, they were fined $15 million, and it goes down from there. But Tom, what intrigued me is that, at least unknown to me, and I think unknown to probably many people, is that all along... That the SEC has been doing this, sanctioning the firms for these uh, messaging app violations. They have been granting waivers to these same firms so they could continue doing business in the securities world under regulations where normally they would have been precluded from doing business under various SEC rules because they suffered a civil violation. And the SEC has been very quietly, without any fanfare, and just giving them waivers, I, I think since the start, and I had not known noticed that at all until a rather mysterious settlement order, or not even a settlement order, just an administrative order, popped up on the SCC website on Friday evening, and here we are with this this waiver thing.
1: Without trying to bury the lead of quote this waiver thing end quote, uh, I would like to pick up on a couple of compliance points that I was able to pick up from these orders. Uh, Number one, the orders were replete with instances where officers and directors of these firms violated their own internal messaging app policy. So once again, we had not only the rank and file at the front lines doing it, we had it all the way up to what I would call the home office, but at least the officers and directors. And then the second point, Matt, is that the uh, SEC gave a very large discount to Huntington Investments um, who was only fined 1.25 million, uh, of the six of the um, total fine and penalty because they self disclosed. And so we have to emphasize once again, what the regulators are communicating to us is if you self disclose, you're going to receive favorable treatment. Having said that, every one I did check, every one of these firms had to retain a compliance consultant or what you and I might call an independent monitor. Uh, Over these issues. So really a lot from the compliance angle. But as you said, you uncovered this and it turns out this was really not new. And uh, you want to tell us the rabbit trail you ran down, I think, with another blogger and all the way back to Kara Stein, because as we were talking about this in the green room, I think I remember our discussion around her because it was so blatant back then. What she was talking about, and here we are in 2024 talking about something she said in 2015.
0: Yeah. So, so here's what's going on in the broker-dealer world. Broker-dealer firms typically are allowed to offer with work with their clients to bring certain securities regulation uh, securities offerings to market. And there are several regulations known as Regulation A, Regulation D, Regulation E, and Regulation Crowdfunding. I don't know why they didn't just shorten regulation crowdfunding to regulation C. I don't make the rules. But these regulations would allow a broker dealer under certain circumstances to bring a securities offering to market without without a lot of the normal paperwork and um, registration statements and financial statements and all of the other burdens that come with a standard Regulatory offering. Like, uh, if you're going to have an IPO or there's a large publicly traded company, it's going to bring another $300 million worth of securities to market. There's a lot of paperwork and disclosures that go into that. Well, for certain closely held firms, say you are, have fewer than 500 shareholders and you have fewer than 10 million in assets. You're a relatively small firm owned by maybe 10 or 15 people you can still sell securities on the open market. And because you have that certain size under regulation A, your broker dealer could bring that to market without all of the usual rigmarole that we'd see from a larger uh, uh, securities offer. So we have these four regulations and they allow you to um, wave through a lot of the paperwork if your securities offering is a certain size. And that's very beneficial for broker-dealers that they can qualify for these breaks under the four regulations. Except if you, broker-dealer, are uh, subject to an SEC civil penalty order, like, say, you've gotten busted for improper messaging apps, well, then you would be disqualified from being able to work on under Regulation A, D, E, and crowdfunding. And so now you'd have to go to your clients and say, sorry, uh, we're going to have to go through all of the big paperwork and rigmarole. That would normally happen. However, I noticed that there was a this mysterious administrative order that the SEC posted on Friday evening, along with all the press releases that so proudly talked about how much we're cracking down on ephemeral messaging. And the order said that basically they're going to waive all of these disqualifications for all of these offending firms. And so they will continue to have this more relaxed setting for certain securities offerings they're working on under these four regulations when normally they would not. And Tom, what got to me is that they didn't actually, the SEC didn't announce this anywhere, say, in its big main press release, talking about how much they have sanctioned the firms. It's not mentioned in the individual settlement orders with the 16 uh, broker-dealer firms. It's just this administrative order that has been quietly posted. And then the plot thickens. It turns out that the SEC has been doing this all along. It I didn't notice it because they've never posted anything about these disqualification waivers, where you would normally go to look for all of these enforcement actions. There instead, there is a much sleepier, less visited part of the SEC, blandly called other administrative orders. And that's where they've been putting them. And they put them there as far back as 2022. I have not been able to find out whether they waived the disqualifications for JP Morgan, which started all of this with the bang in 2001, uh, 2021. But they certainly have been giving disqualification waivers, at least for the last 18 months. For all of the other dozens and dozens of firms, it seems that they've all gotten disqualification waivers very quietly, not really announced. You only know if you know where to look. So it's one of those things where you know if you know. And if you don't, then nobody's the wiser. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But here we are. And so they've been giving these quiet sub-ROSA waivers to the consequences of the offending firm's actions. And, Tom, what
1: do you think of that? I think I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about it. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the other thing that intrigued me, Matt, was uh, I think you mentioned it, but if you didn't, there was another lawyer who picked up on this who you found a blog post on and that led even down a little bit of a more of a rabbit trail you want to tell us about that
0: so uh, this uh, caught my eye because as I was reading this uh general order that what I think what do they call it order for certain broker dealer practices so i mean that is as bland and boring of a title for this break they're giving the companies as you could imagine Um, I opened that order, and I saw that there actually is an initiative called the Off-Channel Communications Enforcement Program, and I hadn't been aware that the SEC actually had a a formal name for this crackdown, so I started searching for that specific thing, the Off-Channel Communications Enforcement Crackdown. And lo and behold, I found that uh, there were maybe about five references to that program ever on the internet but one of them was made in September of 2022 so it is that about 18 months ago that uh there was a another blogger out there his name was um let me see if I can dig it up I want to make sure I have it Bill Singer Bill Singer thank you very much so Bill Singer he wrote a series of articles he doesn't do it anymore his blog is defunct but he was writing about broker dealer orders and he found this Then he found that they had been doing this waiver in September of 2022. And Mr. Singer kind of popped a cork over that. He didn't think that was very uh, above board. seemed a very quiet way to announce a disqualification waiver, which is a big favor to give to broker-dealers if they're in trouble. Um, But then he pointed out to even further back, all the way back in 2015, then Commissioner Kara Stein was a democratic appointee who i had met back in the 2010s and who's a very accomplished woman uh, she published a statement about giving out disqualification waivers to large firms when they've had misconduct now at the time she was complaining about giving disqualification waivers to firms that had been caught up in a foreign exchange bid rigging sort of a deal that was all the rage back in the 2010s it was a big sec enforcement crackdown then um, but Ms. Stein said that this is ridiculous. If you're breaking the law, then you have to face consequences. And Tom, I want to read out a quote that she said, because I think it's telling here. Allowing these institutions to continue business as usual after multiple and serious regulatory and criminal violations poses risks to investors and the American public that are being ignored. It is not sufficient to look at each waiver request in a vacuum. And she said that in 2015 about several large banks that were receiving waivers as they were cleaning up their mess with the foreign exchange scandal. And Tom, at least three of the banks that she was complaining about in 2015, Citigroup, Barclays, UBS, they've gotten uh, disqualification waivers today. Now in the last year and a half or so for their involvement in this off messaging app scandal. So, I think Ms. Stein raises a valid point that, you know, what are we doing here to try and send a message to companies that they have to change their practices or there will be severe consequences, or we are just going to charge you a lot of money, make you pay even more money for a compliance consultant, and then give you a waiver on what would really take you over the coals, which would be to get disqualified from bringing securities offerings under those four regulations I met a while back. Um, So there are certain ways that the consequences of this misconduct would really put companies in a difficult place. And the SEC is just giving them waivers so they can keep going along with business as usual. They have the fines. They have the compliance consultants. That's not nothing. But is it just a cost of doing business then? And what's going to happen when we inevitably have the repeat ephemeral messaging offender which sure is night follows day that's going to happen i don't know if it's going to happen today or next year or some other time but tom sooner or later somebody is going to get nailed on this twice and are they going to get another waiver then is it going to be publicly announced or are we just going to slip it into the part of the sec website that nobody ever looks at what are we doing here And, uh, you know, I think that is a valid question to ask about SEC enforcement, and does all of this really matter?
1: I guess I would add that uh, you can have a waiver program, but it needs to be discussed or at least announced with transparency so that there can be an appropriate level of scrutiny and comment from both regulators and those who may oversee these. And then uh, if I could just add on to your point, what happens if one of these... um, institutions falls under a doj uh, fcpa or other investigation where they take a look at prior enforcement actions uh, if it's involving ephemeral messaging uh as we've seen the doj start to talk about that in some of their enforcement actions i guess when you asked me what did i think i my thought is if you're going to have a waiver program you got to announce it you got to announce it publicly and you got to announce the reasons you're granting waivers and uh just the way we've done it before is the way we're going to do it now, I think is insufficient when you're waving your biggest stick uh, of consequence management away at no charge.
0: Well, Tom, I think uh, the key word that you brought up there is transparency. And I will just say, I follow the SEC religiously. <laughs> I scour the website you know, multiple times a day. I look at the press releases and the enforcement actions. I've written about the ephemeral messaging. It took me two years to notice that this was going on. And I'm probably as much of a dork and obsessive nerd over the SEC enforcement as you could find. So if I didn't notice it for 18 months, that doesn't really strike me as transparent. I am glad that they finally put this consent order with the other press releases this time, but they never did it before. And it just it doesn't speak to the spirit of transparency that one would like to see from a government agency. So I do find it a bit dismaying and disappointing.
1: Well, perhaps it might motivate you to dig deeper and see what else you can come up with, Matt. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom. Well, Matt, this is uh, a really, uh, I think, an interesting topic and one that bears more scrutiny. So I can't wait to see what uh, we can come up with next. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. The Compliance Podcast Network is sponsored by Ethico. Ethico provides compliance champions like yourself, an ethics and compliance optimization system built to turn goals and guidelines into real ROI for your program. We've linked to Ethico in the show notes, but if you'd like more information, go to ethico.com slash CPM. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review to Compliance Into the Weeds or any of the other podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network that you'd have enjoyed. We'd love to hear from you. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week.